Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Everyone and welcome to another episode of The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Matt Smith, but not that Matt Smith. And today we are here to talk about The Girl Who Waited, which was uh, written by uh, Tom McRae, directed by Nick Heron. And uh, yeah, we probably have a lot to say about that. Um, but before we get to it, I want to remind everybody that we're from the website GeekShowEntertainment.com, where we like geeky stuff, and occasionally we talk about geeky stuff like Doctor Who on podcasts like this one. Geek Show Entertainment is a podcast network that has new episodes released every week for shows that include The Doctor's Companion, as well as Movie Nighty Geek Show, Have You Met Ted, A Couple of Geeks, and Super Geeks. And you can listen to those podcasts by streaming them on the website or subscribing to the shows on iTunes. Also, you can go to the website and join our community by commenting on episodes, articles, and audio blogs that we regularly post on the site. And if you've listened to any of our shows and you like what you hear, or even if you don't, help us out by leaving an iTunes review. iTunes reviews are the best way for people to find our shows and decide if they might be worth listening to. You can also let us know how we're doing with comments, concerns, or suggestions by emailing the show at tdc at geekshow.us. That's tdc as in The Doctor's Companion. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and uh, talk about The Girl Who Waited, um, or as I like to call it, uh, possibly the best episode of the season, which is saying a lot considering The Doctor's Wife was this season, and that episode is astounding, but good God. You know what I I would say about this episode is that it it is like a Stephen Moffat written episode from the Russell T. Davies era. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. And Karen Gillan, holy God, Karen Gillan did awesome in this, and so did the makeup people. Because old Amy, wow, looks amazing. Mm-hmm. So good, in fact, that I honestly forgot how hot Karen Gillan was. Like, I don't know, maybe I've been taking her for granted lately, but No, like, I think she just looks especially hot in this. I'm not gonna that, lie. <laughs> possibly there, that. There are moments like where there's a, like a moment right before she comes into their world, when they first are in that corridor where Rory's gonna like switch the wires out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um that look like A V cables. Giant A V cables. <laughs> um and uh he like looks up at her. And she like with the with the magnifying glass, and she has this look on her face where I'm just like, I don't think you've ever looked cuter or hotter than in this moment right now. Like, yeah. it was ridiculous. Yeah, like I don't know if it was the backgrounds or the lighting because of everything being white or whatever it was, but oh man, <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was it ridiculous. Really was. It really, really was. Um, 
Yeah, I'd have to agree. I mean, I really wanted to watch it a second time this morning, uh, but I just, I ran out of time. I was doing a lot of other things and watching really crappy Doctor Who instead. Uh, why? I don't know. Um, you do know. <laughs> it was unfortunate. Um, but, uh, but I, I mean, I was, I was sad I didn't get a chance to rewatch it, but watching it last night um, was like, I, I mean, it's, 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 this episode is amazing purely because one it's excellent like it's 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 top to uh, bottom really awesome like tom mccray wrote the hell out of this nick Hearn directed the hell out of this um the handbots are phenomenal villains they are really good villains really really good i love the way i love their design like they're yeah, awesome yeah. they look like mm-hmm. a walking apple store mm-hmm. and and memorable but in a way that i never want to see them again mm-hmm. um and I'm I'm left with this idea that I'm sick of Doctor Who stories that don't matter. Um, the uh, the pirate episode for one. Most of the Rebel Flesh is another example, which is why those episodes kind of suck. Um, this is a story that gets to the core of the stories that I really like. It's big on the sci-fi and it's big on emotionally wrenching character work. Um, gripping, inherently dramatic, um, and it's kind of sad that this is really exception, not rule, because this stands out even better because Amy's been useless this season, not because she's flesh, but just because they haven't written her good, and um, this is this is good. This is, this is, this, for that reason, this becomes the best of the season. Almost better than The Doctor's Wife, because, you know, this... The Doctor's does. Wife. The difference is that the Doctor's Wife could be the best episode of the series, like of mm-hmm. not not just the sixth series. I mean, like of the whole Doctor show. Who. Yeah, yeah, the whole the show. Whole show. <laughs> but that's very Doctor centric, whereas this is companion centric to the point where you almost can't really compare the two. Right. Right. But, exactly. Because yeah. this does for Amy and Rory what um, the Doctor's Wife did for the Doctor. Absolutely. And, and what Amy's choice did for Amy back in the episode, and really last season, and that's why Amy's choice is really the forgotten gem of last season because it's so emotionally strong about Amy and what Amy does. And this almost like this is probably going to be the episode title, but this really this episode should have been called Rory's Choice because, uh-huh. goddamn, Arthur Darville is good. He's and like, really good. Like really good, and and making him such a strong, believable character. And, like, there's been this thing where I love Rory's devotion to Amy, but the best way to divide Rory's loyalties is by dividing Amy. And, I mean, they really did that in this, and that is such a brilliant thing that, one, I never would have thought of in a million years, and, two, um, was executed phenomenally well with a great dilemma at the heart of it um that i oh ultimately like the dilemma like the fact of like we can only take one of these amy's the young amy or the old amy like either Mm -hmm. the one that was left here a week or we can take the one that was here for 36 years Mm -hmm. but we can't take both it'll be a paradox it'll blow up the tardis end of the world yada yada back to the future logic yeah but the dilemma, the worst part about the dilemma, and watching it again is what really sent it over the edge for me because I watched it right before we recorded. I hate you so much. And it was it was almost better the second time. Um, the thing <sighs> that you kind of forget, 
the first time you watch it is that the Amy, the young Amy that they're taking with them at the end is not the Amy that started the episode. Right. The Amy that started the episode is the old Amy that was stuck there for 36 years. Mm -hmm. Rory is literally saying goodbye to the character that we've known this whole time. Mm -hmm. And now we have a new Amy in the TARDIS that Mm -hmm. we didn't have before because the Amy that we have now is Paradox Amy, not original Amy. Right. Original Amy was stuck there for 36 years. That blows my mind because I'm just Mm -hmm. like – Oh my god, like the character that we love just sacrificed herself for a character we don't even know. Not really. Mm-hmm. Which, but at the same time, like, it's not something that they need to ever touch back on. No, it's not just, at all. Yeah, no. it's, it, and it doesn't change anything. But at the same time, it really does. Yeah. Because the Amy who is erased at the end of the episode is no less the Amy than who is in the TARDIS. Like, she is still the same girl who we know, just 36 years older, which is just... It's it's mind-blowing how good they pushed it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and Tom McRae, like, huge props to him because he really dialed into that and really captured it. And the dilemma, like, there was a point in the episode where, I mean, you know when you're watching it that... Amy is not going to be old after this. Like you kind of know in the back of your mind, like they won't do that in a one-off episode, but at the same time, if they can trick you even for a moment into believing they're going to do that, um, they've won and boy, did they win because I mean, there, there are moments in this where you're just like, they're going to take both of them and the old Amy is going to get away. Um, and that's like, their ability to make you forget things you know is awesome. That's great storytelling. And Tom McRae, man, please tell me he's coming back next year for more stories. Because if this is what he does when he gets basically free reign to just say, I'm going to go write a Doctor Who story, not one that introduces the Cybermen. Because like, I still like that episode. I think it's good. But it's it's burdened by the fact that he has to basically create the Cybermen from scratch and introduce them, and he does it really well, but it's not a story from his own brain. It's not a story that he is as dialed into as this and the dilemma and the characters and all that, because this... It's just it's just good. This is just... This is how Doctor Who should be yeah. all the time. It shouldn't be, you know, character... Shoving a character down my throat, it should be, like, putting characters in really dramatic situations that aren't necessarily based on running away. Um, like, Here, I like those. If but. if Tom McGray comes back, um, and I'm not saying, like, I, I'm not saying, I, I'm thinking he probably will, uh, but one thing that I've noticed now, because Tom McGray has written two episodes, the, the Cybermen two-parter in season two, and then this one, both of which deal with alternate reality characters. Mm-hmm. How amazing would it be for him to write a sequel to Inferno? <laughs> like, a, like a loose sequel to Inferno. Have you seen Inferno yet? No. Oh, Jesus. Talk to me when you've seen it, and then you'll, say how, you'll see how, why I'm laughing. Um, because you'd want that? <laughs> because I would want that, absolutely. Yeah. Um, He's apparently – that's apparently his thing. I mean – Which is I'm, awesome. Yeah, that's, that's a good that, – that's a fine thing to have. I mean that's – not only is that a fine thing to have, but that's a different thing. Like, that's a different niche in Doctor Who because no one else is doing that on Doctor right. Who. Right. 
And um and like and that's the one thing that I've always kind of wanted more of from Doctor Who. Like the the Davies era was very focused on Earth and aliens. Um, the Moffat era is very focused on the timey family, the the time travel, like time travel specifically. Um, yeah. and the Bendy and you know the character interaction for good or ill. Um. Uh, whether or not he's succeeding in that, I'd, I'd, I'd remains to be seen. But when he wants to turn it on, he does. Um, but there is a void for alternate reality Doctor Who stories. Like, there is a void. Not just a void, a huge void. Because really, the only times that I've ever seen alternate doc- alternate history Doctor Who is um, the Cybermen two-parter. On television, anyways. Uh, the Cybermen two-parter and... Um, Inferno. You could also count uh, Turn Left in there, but it is a huge sort of uh, missing piece that I really wish they'd explore. Um, although, you know, it's, it's a lot of directions for Doctor Who to go, but Doctor Who fits in those directions, so you know, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think um, I think my two favorite scenes in this are. I mean, I, I they're probably the obvious ones, but when old when old uh, Amy and, and young Amy are talking to each other through the magnifying glass, I love that. What, what could, because it's, it's just Karen Gillan against Karen Gillan. You could almost count it as a monologue, um, mm-hmm. but it's astoundingly well done. And seeing those two characters interact just shows how much Karen is putting into old Amy and how different she is. Oh yeah. Um, and that's, that's astounding. And then of course, um, the scene between Rory and, and old Amy uh, between the TARDIS doors. Yeah. Those, those, those two scenes are phenomenal. I also have I uh, like runner up is the little scene of old Amy flirting with Rory. <laughs> and she's trying to break into the art gallery. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I just, that's... I love the idea that like we're seeing how much Amy loves Rory. It's just that young Amy is too like, stubborn to show it all the time she's, she's whereas flighty. like old amy is just like no you know what i lost you for 36 years i don't care i love you and i'm gonna show you mm-hmm. and that's yeah. that's phenomenal mm-hmm. regular amy like our young amy is too hard to pin down really she's she's very flighty and hasn't really ever settled down in sort of any sort of way she's very rambunctiously out there and hard to keep track of which is yeah. why Rory's so insecure all the time and it you're right it is really nice to see the development of amy in a way that it looks like we're not going to see uh, i don't want to spoil but i mean you know she's a companion we're not gonna i don't i doubt we're gonna see her all the way to the end of her life and watching i hope not because that would probably mean she would be dead so <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I, I mean, really want to see that. <laughs> well, it's hard because, um, because you know, most companions leave, and you don't get to see them as grown up. And I honestly, aside from Sarah Jane, I can't think of a companion who we've seen. Well, Joe in uh, Death of the Doctor. Um, I can't think of a companion who we've seen after years and years and years. Um coming back after a while, at least on television. There have been, you know, audio plays and stuff that have speculated and and done some really cool stuff with that. But it's so interesting to see an old version of a companion because it's not something you see all the time. And it's really, really good. And, like, that's just, you know, Tom McRae just threw out that idea. That's a great idea Mm -hmm. that 
I'm shocked we haven't seen before. Those are always the best stories, the very obvious idea that you've never seen. And yeah. McRae nailed it across the board. Definitely. Um, I also I, – I love the way this episode ends with yes. just Amy being like, where is she? Mm-hmm. We don't need to see that conversation because we know what, how that conversation is going to go. Yeah. So like ending it on that and then the doctor's face, his expression – Mm-hmm. And, uh, okay, I want to talk about the Doctor badly. I don't know if you want to do it now, but... Yeah, go ahead. Okay. The Doctor in this episode basically said where his loyalties lie in terms of everything. When it comes to... And this, this it's not exactly a surprise, but it's still something to take note of. When the chips are down, and it's between the universe and Amy, he's gonna pick the universe. And for someone who literally moved heaven and earth or teamed up with called in every favor he ever had in good man goes to war to save the one girl who he really cares about for him to basically at the end of the day say i don't care who you are you're not ruining time for me is a ballsy phenomenal choice and incredibly well acted by uh, matt smith especially because like, if you watch that scene, he really debates with himself whether or not he's going to close the door. And at the end of the day, he's like, screw it, I have to close the door. And that sense of obligation is strong and something I think I'm really curious to see if they ever do again. Because, you know, he didn't choose Amy. Um, if if he really did, he would have, you know, let her into the TARDIS, come hell or high water. But he didn't do that. He, uh, you know... He closed the door in her face and let her die, which is, I don't know. I just thought that was such a brilliant choice on, on McRae's part. Absolutely. I mean, it's, 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 it's something he had to do, but it's because of the nature of stories and the way the doctor who goes, but they really put the doctor into the same place that Rory was. And I love that. I really love that. I thought it was such a ballsy, brilliant choice, especially because we know that the Doctor is getting increasingly more reckless and dangerous as time is going on. And it's phenomenal. I also, yeah. I also really love, really love the Doctor and Rory together. Yes. Like by themselves. Mm-hmm. The, the, the scene in the teaser where they're just together and Amy's separated, like I just love the, their interaction between the two of them. Mm-hmm. I, I and you don't get to see it enough. You never yeah, you get to really see don't. it, but I I it, love it. Yeah, but Rory. I mean, I mean, I love Amy, but Rory's a better companion. Oh, to be totally. Honest. Yeah, like, I and that's uh, and I love watching him grow, especially because not only does this put the fate in Rory's hands, but there's that line which is not really a surprise if you've been paying attention. But he says, "I will not be turned into you." And at the end of the day, the Ugh. doctor's like, tough, because you're turning into me. Yeah. Um, which was such a brilliant move, and it plays into things that I'm theorizing will happen later. And I love that the doctor's slowly turning Rory into something that Rory does not want to become. And that's brilliant. That's phenomenal. I don't know if that's the Moffat plan. Um, it, it has to be, based on you know things that we've been seeing lately. But woof woof for them basically coming out and saying it and saying it so boldly um and making rory make the hard choice mm-hmm. which was uh, it, it's brilliant to me that that all that stuff that character stuff is stuff that i've really felt has been missing from the show absolutely and it just it feels even better because 
it it proves that you can tell a really good, compelling, strong, giant idea, fast-paced, 45-minute Doctor Who story, and still have some strong character development. Because look at last week, man. Last week had none of this. Yep. None. Nothing. And speaking of last week... (laughs) Speaking of last week... Can we talk about... Oh my god, why? Why is that episode in this half? Like... (laughs) I, I mean, I texted you this before you had watched the episode, and I was just like, uh, the Hitler coat's back. And you're just like, what? Because, like, there's it, – it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. It is ridiculously obvious that last week's episode has no business being this half of the season. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, I, oh, my God. Yeah. 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 Like, like how – you don't – uh, like I know at the end of Hitler, uh, the doctor's wearing his, his tweed jacket again, but if you notice, it's only in close up shots or probably pickup shots, probably, uh, uh, like after, after like production wrapped pickup shots, like mm-hmm. just <laughs> to make continuity make some kind of sense. <laughs> it's that's oh god that's it's just so awful that night mm-hmm. terrors it's such a waste that night terrors is in this half of the season mm-hmm. it would have been so much stronger in the back in the first half it would have been yeah. so so much stronger yeah and like i don't know pirate well, pirates now would have just made this one look even better um but uh <laughs> yeah just a huge mistake on the term on on the production team if, if, if we can be so bold to say that because you know, this really does have this good feeling towards being in the back half of the season. Like, this just feels right. And it doesn't even dial into the overarching story of Melody and, and what's going on with this alliance, as it were, and Madame Kavarian and all that stuff. But it's still just, you know, it just feels right here. It feels so right to be in this half of the season and, and getting that sort of stuff. And goddamn, this was a good episode. Like amazing amazing stuff and you're right in terms of like it's probably the best it's certainly better than good man goes to war and um uh let's kill hitler i mean those were fun but this is the stuff i like more and the stuff that i wish moffat did and if you look at it like it's sad to me that moffat's not doing stuff like this because moffat was doing stuff like this all the time like he was doing this in um he did uh, a doctor's wife sort of examination of the doctor in Girl in the Fireplace. He did a doctor uh, like a companion sort of examination in Blink. Uh, despite the fact that Sally Sally Sparrow is not a companion in anyone's hearts but our own, um, uh, <laughs> it's the worst. It's the saddest uh, companion who ever was. Um, and then Silence in the Library was a phenomenal discussion of both companion and doctor, which is why I love Silence in the Library so much. And you know. I mean, the the only one that really had that in the beginning of the season in terms of Moffat was uh, the opener. Because I thought the opener was really... Like, if you watch it again, it has some really strong character stuff and Rory and Amy and the Doctor and River and all that. Like, it just has really good stuff. And this, like... I don't know, man. I don't see why it's so hard for him to do more character pieces. And I guess that's because he's obsessed with the the wibbly-wobbly of it all. I hate that term, but it's true. Um, and I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm upset with Stephen Moffat. I'm going to be honest because, uh, I don't know. I mean, you and I have talked off mic. I don't think he's rewriting these much. Um, no, I don't think he is. 
because <laughs> because it doesn't feel like it feels like a Moffat era story, but it doesn't feel like a Moffat story in the way that the Davies era always felt like a Davies story because he was rewriting those from page one almost except always. for the Moffat episodes mm-hmm. or Fear Her, which was not um, uh, which was not written by Davies. Um, which is why it's which is why it sucks because um, he says that he didn't do the final draft of that script. Um, so like it's it's. I don't know, man, because if you look at it, the Gaiman one was strong because Gaiman was all over it. And I like that Moffat's giving people an opportunity to shine. But, you know, last week we talked about how he wasn't talking up his stories very much on Twitter, the good ones. Uh, He didn't really talk this one up at all. Nope. And that's because he knows this was really good. Um, And, yeah, it's just a bummer that we we have this um, going back and forth between the two of them. Huge bummer. Okay, well, uh, I think that about wraps up our discussion of The Girl Who Waited, um, a phenomenal episode, and uh, next week's looks good, too, although uh, the preview for next week's Call Me Crazy, I don't know, I'm, I'm sure you've seen this, totally reminds me of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, I see that. Okay. <laughs> that said, that said, oh my god, am I excited for next week? Oh yeah, totally. Absolutely. Holy crap, next week's looks so good. Yeah, it really really does. Um, but totally reminds me of Bogus Journey. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh before we get uh started talking about uh Torchwood, I want to get through our sponsors. Um which include uh, InStockTrades.com. And this month, you can purchase our book of the month, Stumptown Hardcover Volume 1 by Greg Rucka and Matthew Southworth. This book is available for only twenty ninety nine, which is 30% off the suggested retail price of twenty nine ninety nine. And remember, all orders over $50 get free shipping. So uh, go order some stuff from InStockTrades.com. Also, DCBService.com. DCBS is the site that lets you order all your monthly comic book statues, action figures, basically anything you can get from your local comic book shop, you can get from DCBService.com. You place your orders three months in advance with monthly discount specials up to 75% off and regular discounts discounts of 40% off. Plus, if you pre-order your collected editions, you can get 50% off those. Ship as often as you like with orders as large or small as you like, and you only pay $5.95 in flat rate shipping. So thanks to DCBService.com. All right, so Torchwood Talk brings us to the season finale of uh, Torchwood Miracle Day called The Bloodline. Uh, So spoilers for this, because there's not really any talking around them. Just FYI, everyone. Okay. I had huge problems with this episode. I don't know about you. Um, sure, yeah. Okay, all right, well... I mean, I can't... Here's the thing, here's the thing. I'll, I'll just start, because I know that you have problems. Um, uh, I liked this. I had problems with it. But at the end of the day, I thought that given the choices they had made over the course of the past nine episodes, they gave... About as good a finale as you probably could have gotten. Okay. I mean, I mean, I, I, I don't think it's perfect. It's far from perfect. Um, but I don't think it was horrible. I thought it did a fine job of wrapping things up, even though it was very clumsy in how it wrapped them all up. Um, but I mean, I was fine with it. I mean, at this point on in this in the show, I was like, all right. I was ready for it to end, and it ended. It didn't do anything super amazing, I don't think, um, but it it did its job. And I mean, it's, it's fine. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm like, it's fine. 
didn't blow my head open, but I didn't hate it. I didn't dislike it either. I thought it was it was all right. I didn't hate it. I just one of the things that I had a huge problem with was okay. All right, so whatever. Jack's blood, only mortal blood. You pour that in at one end, and then Jack's blood on the other end. Fine, whatever. Even the transfusion thing, whatever. Fine. Okay, that's whatever. It's fine. My problem with that resolution, and not necessarily with the with the idea of the resolution, but how it was executed, which was they were they tried to raise the stakes when there were no stakes to raise. Um, and the reason the way they did that was like you have uh, you have Jack and Rex on both sides, and then like on Rex's side they take Esther and they like hold her hostage or they they just shoot her or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And she goes down. They're like, "Oh, what are you gonna do now? You let your blood loose, and she'll be mortal, and she won't. She she'll die, and blah blah blah." Okay. Right before they that last set piece, they're simultaneously breaking into each side, um, and they're like cracking necks like it's nobody's business. Like they're just like, "Whatever, you're dead. You're dead. Whatever." Why? Why in God's name didn't they just shoot those people when they got there? Why did they just, like, stand around? Okay? Because here's the thing. You already set up the fact that they obviously – Torchwood does not care about human life if it gets in the way. Because those people that they killed on the way in were just doing their job. Like, that's it. They were just doing their job. That's all they were doing. And really, they were, like, showing no threat. They didn't even let them show a threat before they killed them. All right. Didn't even didn't even have a second thought about killing those people. But then they get in here with the big wigs and it never even crosses their mind just to pull out a gun and shoot all of them. Good point. Like what were where were the stakes? Like, I don't I don't get it because they're not going to shoot. Like, why didn't Jack and Rex kill all those people? Because they're not going to kill them. They're not going to kill him. They're not going to shoot him. They already set that up. They're like, no, 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 no. Don't shoot him. Don't shoot him. Don't shoot him. Because if you shoot him, you'll shed his blood and like blah blah blah. Um. So like, why did he wait? Why did they wait around until Esther could get killed? Like, why didn't they just shoot all those people? Because by the time Jack and Rex, who I would imagine the both of them to be very good shots, especially Jack, <laughs> why did they wait around until Esther got shot before just like why didn't they just shoot all those people? Because by the time they got to like. Until they got to a point where, like, one of the one of the soldiers or whatever, like, whatever you would call those people, before one of them would figure out what was happening, like, where, where it would even register in their brain that they need to react somehow, they'd all be dead. There wasn't mm-hmm. that many of them. Right. So, yeah. like, I, I hated the fact. Like, I was screaming at my TV. Like, why are you raising the stakes? You don't – this is fake. Like, this is stupid. Like mm-hmm. – you're telling me these characters are so smart this whole 10 episodes and then you get to this thing and they're idiots. Yeah. And that drove me nuts. That drove me nuts. Yeah. No, I can't I can't defend that at all. And yeah. it's not defendable. Yeah. I mean, the the defense is the defense of that is they couldn't kill those people because we needed to have the story explained. In the last five minutes, which I know, I know, I know, I know. It's not, I mean, that's, that's the answer, 
but it's a bad answer, and that's not the way you do a good story. In order for um, you to be a good writer, you have to have a better explanation than story structure. No, for a reason no, a character know. sticks around, you know? Oh, I know. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, like, that's, that's, you're, you're absolutely right, and that's the problem. Because, you know, because the show hadn't... Like, at the end of this, in order to give a satisfying narrative to the mystery of everything, because we all need a, the answer to the mystery, um, in order to give this, the satisfying ending to the mystery, everyone who was there like so so evil chick who reminded me of um madam foster from uh, 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 uh partners in crime um the the, the oh woman from, yeah totally yeah she reminded me of a lot of fosters in crime lady and the guy in buenos aires like because those guys needed to explain the story because they left us in the dark for so long before that point um they needed to leave them alive long enough for us to find out all this stuff which is which is preposterous like that's classic that and like even in the scene like i didn't crazy have a problem with them killing tons of people at least in principle because i mean it 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 doesn't really like because because torchwood has killed people in the past um i mean it, it it's one thing to kill all the minions and then to leave the higher ups alive but it's another thing entirely to um to uh, kill the minions and the higher ups, if that makes sense. Um, so like, if they had done one or the other, uh, I mean the other one, which is just like Jack's just like, I don't care, how do I stop it? That's one thing. But there had to be a monologue. There had to be a ridiculously long scene of them standing in front of the blessing, which was so long. Not in a like, I didn't hate it, but that was. Such a long scene with people pulling guns, people not pulling guns, people explaining things, uh-huh. tons of explanation. Uh-huh. Um, just, just, I mean, that's the problem with the story at the end of the day. Like, it's the same problem that happened in Children of Earth, which is that Torchwood is behind for so long for the whole story that everything needs to get wrapped up in the last episode. And that's a Davies thing. And I, I mean, I don't crazy have a huge problem with it. Um, except for the part where it falls into everyone's laps at the very end. Like, that happens in every Davies story. And I honestly, I don't care. I mean, that's his style, and I like him, so I'm willing to forgive that, because that comes with the territory. But by waiting this long to tell us everything we need to know, we're left with a giant, essentially, monologue of people doing information, dump, 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 and then it just ends, which is huge problem that's just that's bad structure and bad storytelling yeah and i don't i don't i don't i don't subscribe to that especially because again i mentioned it last week but there was an entire episode of this season where they literally spun their wheels for a whole goddamn episode and with 10 episodes if you waste my time on one of them and then give me this that's pretty unacceptable that's really bad planning um and they should have done that better. Um, how I don't know. You just got to break your story better than this because it didn't. It didn't feel quite as resolvey as it should have. Because yeah. um, you know, I mean, if they had just knocked out all the guards, that's one thing. But you're right; they did just murder all these people. <laughs> yeah. So, like, why were they? Why weren't they just murdering these people? It just. It, it, it doesn't. It, you're it doesn't, right. It doesn't make any sense. No. And um, also. Um, 
from a character perspective, uh, two things. One, Esther got short shafted big time. Yep. Because they just killed her. So she had no resolution to her character whatsoever. And you could say, well, not everyone has a resolution to their character. Some, t- some people just die. All right. Whatever. But when you give the moment of, uh, I don't want to say full redemption because none of the characters within the show feel that he's redeemed at all. But it's an inner character redemption where he feels that he's redeemed. Uh, uh, like Bill Pullman, like seriously, like why are we letting him be a hero at the end of this? Why is that a thing? I don't know. That has no purpose. He is a freaking crazy child molester. There is no reason for him to be redeemed in anyone's eyes, least of all his own. Right. Like, this is it, it total BS. Like, when, when he was like, save yourself, I'll blow her up. I'm like, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me. Like, we, we've, been, we've set up the fact that this character is horrendous. Like, he molests children. He likes it. <laughs> like that's a thing that he does and he doesn't feel sorry about it that's one thing that they were hammering home from episode one he molests children and he does not feel bad about it at all mm-hmm. I don't care if you tell me that he stands in front of the giant vagina and suddenly feels <laughs> guilty <laughs> I, don't, I don't care if that's the thing that you're trying, to t- you're trying to convince me of that doesn't matter that's BS because mm-hmm. he doesn't feel guilty. That's his whole point of his character. So if you're telling me that the entire purpose of his character from episode one is to be redeemed in episode 10 by blowing up the giant vagina, that's BS. Total BS. Mm-hmm. And I hate that. <laughs> I hate yeah, it. Yeah, it's not, it's not really. I, I mean, the idea, I guess, is that he – because at the end, he literally embraces who he is. Um, like, you know, his final screed is like, you better run because I'm running after you because, you know, one of the big things is like all the, all the bad girls go to hell and I'm going to hell. So you better run. Um, at that moment, he's not really redeemed because he's embracing the dark side of himself. Um, and that's not, I mean, fine. You're embracing the dark side of himself, but like, I don't see why he waited to, uh, let everyone get away like it's the same problem as why didn't you just shoot those people when you walked in the room like oswald danes when he saw the opportunity and realized that's what he had to do i don't see why he didn't just do it right away yep um i mean and that's that's just that's just weak i mean that's that's really weak storytelling that's 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 trying to convince me that oswald danes is a hero he is not a hero period he does not have a heroic bone in his body period yeah. Well, I mean, him blowing it up was very selfish. Um, it was it was insanely selfish. But it, but like saving other people, like I don't see why he saved other people, especially right. because everyone else was really horrible to him. Right. Um, exactly. It's 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 it doesn't really it didn't really work, which is really disappointing because he was such the interesting character through the whole story. Right. I mean, I really think that um, last week and this week really just he jumped the shark at the very like they literally fumbled it at the very end with his yep. character. Yeah. Because last week was. Fine, but I mean, I I said it then, and I I still maintain it. Like they really hit home the I like to rape children, which was like, I mean, I don't need you to remind me that he's a child molester. Um, I mean, it's 
why he's here. Like you told us that in every press junket you ever gave. Um, the only so, reason you need to remind me of that is that is if like something is going to involve that, but nothing involves that. Nothing. Never, never. Not in the entire series. No, um, he was never I mean, even tempted. And that's no. the really messed up part. Mm-hmm. Is that like, we never even had to give him a temptation. Mm-hmm. Nothing. The only thing that ever came up, which was really twisted, and I'll give I'll give whoever's line that was props for the line, which was that the lady's trying to talk him out of doing it, and she's just like, "We'll give you girls. You can hunt them, or like whatever it is she says." And I'm just like, "Oh, that's twisted, lady." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she's like immoral and stuff. I mean, I, 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 but like that's the problem is, um, they could tell me. That Oswald Danes is a child molester, and like at the beginning, I will buy it as we did at the beginning. Right. Um, but the problem is when it gets to a certain point, talk is talk, and talking ain't doing. And I mean, I'm not saying that I long for <laughs> rape on my show, but you can't keep throwing me bones like this where it's like. He's a child molester. He talks about it a lot. It's like, again, talking ain't doing. Moffat can tell me all the things he wants. Like, he can tell me that this is the Doctor's greatest victory in the history of all time um, in Good Man Goes to War. That doesn't make it the Doctor's uh, greatest victory in the history of all time. Nor does it mean that I have to believe that at any point. Nor do I. um, uh, Still, to this day. And Oswald Danes, at the end of it, just, they, they declawed him because... They went to the dark place, and I think they chickened out, and they said, we can't do this, so we're just kind of going to have them talk about it. But talking is not what make, makes rapists scary. Um, it's not. Yeah. What makes rapists scary is the fact that they rape people. Um, <laughs> and I know we're talking, I'm talking about this because, and not making it sound very good, but let's be honest. Eh, there's not really a way to talk about this without talking about it like this. Um... And that's a problem. And they really chickened down on it. They really diluted his character. The only time we ever saw him become the violent monster we knew him to be was when he hit Jilly in the uh, uh, the, the 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 return when he returned in episode eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's I not mean, even that impressive because that's not a little girl. And it's not the extent to which we know he's a monster, right? And like what they did, like they really missed up on making him as scary as they possibly could Mm -hmm. slash set him up to be in the beginning. Cause you remember, man, episodes one through five, we were like, holy crap, Oswald Danes. Yeah. And then they took him away and then they brought him back. That's the thing is like, I thought they were setting him up. Like I thought the whole point was that they were setting him up like he was going to redeem himself. And then he was going to go deeper down the hole than he ever had Mm -hmm. been. That's what I was hoping for. And that's not what happened. Right, they just kept him static, which is a huge mistake. Huge yeah. mistake. Yeah. Um, it just made for, a, at the end of the day, a very boring character with an insanely good performance. Um, yep. And you could feel it last week. Like, Bill Pullman was not as good last week as he was the week before yep. um, when he came back. And he was really, this was his worst episode, hands down. And that's not his fault. That's absolutely not his fault. They just didn't give him anything interesting. Yeah. What made and I, him think, interesting. I, think, I think that's the thing is like, I think Bill Pullman was like, oh my God, this is such a juicy character. Heck yeah, I'll sign on, whatever. And then as it went on and he kept getting scripts, he was just like, wait, you're not doing anything with me. <laughs> I was specifically, specifically in these last two. Yeah. I mean, I'll say 
up until the last two episodes when they jumped time forward. Um, he was good in every episode except for last week and this week. Yep. Every single episode, Bill Pullman was genius. But they, but, but then they made it so that Bill Pullman has to team up with everyone. Why did he have to blow up the place? No reason. They just had to kill him. Like, it, and that just that just they turn him into a plot device and. Plot devices aren't characters, Stephen Moffat. I mean, Russell T. Davies. Um, <laughs> and it's and that's like and that's a problem. That's a huge mistake, huge problem, huge wasted opportunity of one of the best performances I've seen on television in a long, long time. Um, and that's bad. That's just bad. And I'm sorry. Like I'm, I wanted to have a good Oswald Danes redeem redemption or not, and they didn't give me either. And that's. Uh, that's maddening. It's absolutely maddening and unacceptable. Um, so, you know, what can you do? Yeah. You can't do anything. Um, so, so, so yeah. Um, I, I, I want to mention that I, I think that all the stuff with the crack was, was, um, was sound. I think that it was fine. Um, it didn't blow me away. It was basically exactly what Jack said in episode two. Um, uh, which and was it's one of, what? It's a more. It created a morphic field that kept everyone alive. Um, oh, okay. Which I mean, it's it's kind of a bummer. What basically someone said something in episode two, and they're just like, "Nope, he was right." It, it feels <laughs> kind of cheap. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, it's it, it was that. It was um, uh, I, I don't know. I'm just I'm left. I'm left thinking like, it's weird because they. If you go back to Children of Earth, and I'm maybe it's different because I haven't seen it in a while, but Children of Earth had a really strong ending, in my opinion. Like it ended really well. It made everyone depressed, um, and it ended, you know, pretty strong. Um, but if you look at this, like this ended on a cliffhanger, or not really a cliffhanger, but a big plot twist, um, uh, where where Rex is now immortal, which honestly I saw coming. Um, yeah. I mean, as soon as obvious. the blood transfusion, as soon as that happened, I was like, "Oh, yeah, he's going to be immortal for now." Yeah, um, which is especially, especially, especially when we saw him at the funeral. I was like, "Well, he's immortal." I was like, <laughs> "It was, it was, it was like." I wasn't just like, "Oh, he's alive." Like I was just like, "Well, he's immortal," because <laughs> yeah, he should have been dead. So yeah, yeah, I yeah. was like, "Okay, well, I know what's going on there." Yeah. Um. So. So I mean I I like that dynamic I think it's a good one but I mean you ended on it and it was kind of not strong um, I mean it's it just it felt like um, it felt like the epilogue to Sherlock uh, not Sherlock Jekyll um, you know what I mean oh where yeah where it ends on this giant oh god moment and then they're like but PT Dubs we're never making the show ever again yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which is like a setup for Jekyll Two and all this stuff, and then they're just like, nope, nope, nope. We're just gonna we're just gonna ignore that and just end the show because you know Torchwood probably not coming back, at least not coming back for a while, um, uh, and probably I mean, not ever because apparently Russell T Davies is like, well, that was it. I'm done with sci-fi. Thanks everybody. Mm-hmm. And it could be picked up by someone. I mean, it could be picked up by someone else. But I mean. We're still at least two years away from more Torchwood at this point because um, uh-huh. they haven't announced anything. And it took like how, when did they announce the Torchwood season four? Like they announced it eighteen months out, I think. Yeah, um, something like that. It was a long time. Like we've been waiting for this for a long time. So uh, we're left on kind of a cliffhanger, and I mean one that's interesting, but 
we're not going to see resolution to for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, also, can I just say it? Can I, can, I, can I just say this? You can say absolutely what I don't know what you're going to say. Okay. Yes. I'm just going to say it. Esther should have survived. Gwen should have been killed. Yeah. And the reason is, and the reason is, not because I hate the Welsh, because I do not. But well, because, I do, so it's okay. But, but because I was on board with you. right now, the way it is, Torchwood st- is still on two continents. It needs to not be on two continents anymore. Like, <laughs> I, I, and, and we, can't, we don't need Gwen and her baby and her husband anymore. We just don't need it. We don't need all of that extra baggage. If you would have mm-hmm. just killed Gwen, that would have been the end of that. Uh, Jack would have gotten punched and... And then we would have never seen her husband again. And then we could have just focused on the new Torchwood, which would have been Jack, Esther, and Rex. Mm-hmm. That's what should have happened. Yeah, I, I, I think I think you're right. Or at least writing Gwen out because, I mean, honestly, I like that they gave the Gwen... I mean, I, in theory, I like that they gave Gwen the, my father's dying, I have to do something about this story. But, oh my god, are those the weakest parts of this whole... 10 episodes yep like hands down the weakest parts of this whole episodes and like it almost needs to be like gwen walks away at the end i I, or not even like i don't know i wish she just walked away i don't think they needed to kill her um they needed to kill somebody should have killed rex um they should have killed rex and made uh uh, esther immortal that would have been more interesting um right but then but then you wouldn't you wouldn't set up any uh sexual tension between two uh immortals which I'm sure they would be doing in another season. <laughs> I'm sure they would be doing. Fair point. You know what um, I'd love to see? Here's what I'd love to see. Bring Torchwood back and jump it forward like a hundred years. That would be cool. With just Rex and Jack. Yeah. Yeah. That would be could, interesting. I could dig that. Because, because, like, I mean, I love Reese, but they didn't do anything with him this season. Right. And they made a big deal. They're like, he is a main character now. And, like, honestly, didn't he do more in Children of Earth? I feel like he did, yeah. That was five episodes. This was ten episodes, and every time it felt like, oh, my God, we're going back to the well with Reese, because he was the stay-at-home mom. Uh-huh. And, like, I'm sorry, but the stay-at-home mom is boring. Yep. Like, that is a boring character, um, unless you're dealing with, like, who killed the per- who killed the bridesmaid at the tea party? Like that's a boring. <laughs> I mean, that's probably offensive. But I mean, that's that's where you're at, and that's just boring. Like Reese was boring. All the whale stuff was boring, and I like that they gave Gwen something to do, but it felt shoehorned. It didn't feel interesting. I was bored all all the time with it, and they kept bouncing her around, and it wasn't. I don't know. It wasn't very good. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like that they killed Esther. I, I'm in the camp of sometimes you don't give people resolution because sometimes that's just how it is because Esther's death is senseless and useless and not something that should have happened. It's She's a casualty, and I you know, I like that. Like The same sort of thing happens in um, uh, Joss Whedon shows. Like Joss will just kill someone, and they won't. And it, it's not earned; it's not deserved. But you know, you're in a you're in a bad situation. Esther just happened to be in a bad place. Like she shouldn't have. Like she was she was right to be there, but you know, she's just a casualty. So I don't mind that. But I mean, I think there's still untapped things that they could have done with her and explored. But we got ten episodes and ten episodes, and she wasn't even in one of them. Um, and you know, the stuff with her I thought was really strong. Like I, at the end of this, like I'm just like, where's Alexa Havens going next? Because I want to follow her, mm-hmm. not the least because she's pretty. Um, 
really she'll pretty. probably end up being on a procedural, most likely. Yeah, yeah, fine. Um, but you know, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm just like, I'm fine with what happened. I just thought that they they just made a bunch of choices that they couldn't really back out of at this point. They're too pot committed. Um, and it's fine. I mean, the crack happened. Um, Jilly, I thought. I mean, if there's one thing that's good. Like just amazing that's going to come out of this is that more Jilly Kissinger is possible. Um, well, and I, I think like I think her. that's I think the thing that's really interesting about this is that whatever would be the next season of Torchwood would be a direct sequel to Miracle Day, mm-hmm. which is interesting, especially because they have quote unquote Plan B yeah. and Jilly. Like instead of Jilly spending the entire series trying to get to all the cool people she's going to be with the cool people. And that's interesting to me. Like that's something yeah. I really want to see, especially because coming out of this, she is the character I like the most. I mean, Bill Pullman would be it, but Bill Pullman got fumbled two episodes back. Um, Jilly never was not interesting to me yeah. ever at any point in this. And I love that she is now in a position to be someone who could really mess with people. And, I like if if we get more Torchwood, like I, it's a crime to not have Lauren Ambrose come back and be Jilly because I loved Jilly Kitchener and I really want to see more of her and I want to see what comes next because she is someone who is absolutely devoted to things, especially because they played the really phenomenal comedy beat of um, Gwen and Jilly opening and closing the grates and Gwen beating the crap out of Jilly. That was good. Yeah. I loved that. I love because it was so like that was so character to me. Like Jilly's just like F this and she just <laughs> she just runs for it and, and Gwen's just like no, 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 no. And it was like just like I don't know, that felt like really Espenson to me for some reason. Yeah. Just because it was like that Joss Whedon school of finding really something really funny in a really horrible moment. Yeah. Um. But but yeah, I mean it's fine, and I'm interested to see what happens next if they go anywhere next. But I can't say it was a super success. I still ended up liking this story at the very end of it. Like I have to say, I really had a lot of fun with it. I had a good time. Kind of fumbled, but they've been fumbling. Um. But you know. I'm fine with it. End of the day, I'd give it a thumbs up. Not as big a thumbs up as I'd have given it like five episodes ago, yeah. but a, a thumbs up. I so. think ultimately I kind of give it a meh. So. That's fine. I mean, I, I can't say it's bad. Like, there are people who have just been railing against it since the beginning. I don't think it's bad. I don't think I mean, it's bad. I just think that they fumbled so much that, um, I mean, they just they, they ended up dropping the ball. That's what I think. Yeah, they did drop the ball. I'd say that. But, I mean... I could still go back and watch those first five episodes over and over, and episode seven, which was the Jack episode. Right. Um, well, but at the same time, uh, we're of two very different mindsets on that type of thing. See, me, I think a show true. needs to be the sum of its parts. You, you're like, no, I, you know, I like the characters and I like these episodes, so I can watch them, and I, I can't do that. Case in point, Lost. <laughs> so, but see, but see, like, I do think that. I mean, I, I find that there's stuff that I do end up, end up liking at the end of the day. But, I mean, I, 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 I still judge it by the, at the sum of its part in saying, look, just because they fumbled the ending doesn't mean that I can't not like it, you know? Um, I can't think of a good example at the moment of a, of a thing, just because I'm on the spot, of something where they botched the ending and I'm just like, ooh, that's not good, despite having really liked it for most of it all the way through. And then they just, you know what? Actually, Mr. Toad's wild ride at Disneyland. That's a great example of something <laughs> like, I don't know if you've been on it, but like, Mr. T- 
Oh my god. Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, if you ever want to go on a ride that is the funnest, and I know this is, might not be possible for some people, but if you ever get a chance, please do. At Disneyland, there is Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, and it is, to me, the like it is just so n- wrapped in nostalgia and fun and excitement. It's one of those old-school, like, kitty rides where it's just like a car on a track and it weaves around some stuff like totally old school haunted house but you know expensive disney style like that is a perfect example of a ride where i've watched i've gone on that ride so many times and i'm just having such a good time and literally with 30 seconds not even 30 seconds 20 seconds left on the ride they literally just fumble it and turn it into something where i'm like what the f just happened (laughs) like i literally come out of that ride every time and i know it's coming but I'm just like, maybe it won't be there this time. And it is, and I don't want to spoil it, but like, if you want to see a ride, like a ride, Jump the Shark, that's a great ride that jumps the shark. <laughs> just, it is amazing. But, um, you know, I, I'm fine with Torchwood. I think that I'm still, I still had fun with it, but, you know, they did fumble the ending, they did drop the ball. But, I mean, it's not a good time. I'd probably rewatch it, but not right now, because I'm busy. I'm not going to rewatch it. Um... <laughs> But, you know, it's not going to stop me from watching another season if it happens, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Especially because this proved that, at at the end of it, it proved that Torchwood could still be pretty badass when they want to be. Yeah, so, totally. Totally. Yeah. All right, well, uh, next week uh, we'll be back with the God Complex and no more Torchwood Tuck. Sad, sad, sad. Super sad. Um, but, yeah, so look forward to probably a uh, shortish episode next week, I would imagine. Uh, articles on the website uh, Deus Ex Human Revolution is a video game out and there's a review of it um, written by uh, one of our writers on the site um, so uh, go check that out if you're interested in that video game uh, audio blogs right now we have Red State out um, Kevin Smith's horror film and uh, next week I think we've got a, or actually later this week we're doing uh, Attack the Block which is um, from director, writer-director Joe Cornish. Uh, Which everyone in, who's listening to this should go see if you haven't seen it. Yeah, you're, go, go find s- it go, go see, see it. it. Go see it. Please. Go see it. Absolutely, go see Please. it. Please. Um, so yeah, Red State, Attack the Block, Movie Night at Geek Show, which features myself and Matt, um, is, uh, we're also doing, uh, we got Last Action Hero, and then we had, uh, mystery team this week and uh this coming week this coming friday is uh time bandits which is matt's pick and uh yeah so uh matt where can people find you on the internet well you can find me on twitter twitter.com slash gungadin you can also find me at my alternate twitter account twitter.com slash gd commentary uh where i review stuff and do stuff like sunday trek where we uh, live tweet star trek episodes which is so much fun uh you can also find me at my doctor who blog classicalgallifrey.blogspot.com cassandra this week has the unfortunate responsibility i suppose of reviewing wheel in space um for which i uh, would like to apologize to her because goddamn does that story suck um, <laughs> um, uh, so, so, so yeah, that's, that's where you can find me. You can also find stories that are coming up on the site where I'm talking about what's coming up. Really excited about some stuff coming up in November. Just saying. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know if I've announced what's coming up in November yet, but my hundredth blog, whew, I'm going to be really excited about that. Anyway, Scott. Uh, yeah, you can follow me, twitter.com slash scottcarelli and, uh, alternate twitter account where i also do sunday trek twitter.com slash scott commentary um yeah and that's uh that's it see you next week with the god complex 
so excited. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys.